So Redmeat Profit Partnership research has suggested that more than half of New Zealand farmers identify succession as an issue. So in a moment we're going to um, introduce our guest speaker, but I'm going to put him on the spot first up. Why are so many farmers concerned about succession and transition, Geordie? I believe the answer to that is because succession is a process um, and an action that is both technical um, and emotional, Mm -hmm. so it makes it very complex. Um, It's one thing to go through it focusing on numbers and facts and figures and things that we're maybe more comfortable doing but there's a whole other um, side of it that we can't see, which is managing people, emotions, and relationships mm-hmm. in both a professional and a personal capacity. So it makes it a reasonably challenging um, and complex process, and often for a lot of us, when we um, f- come up against a complex, challenging problem, mm-hmm. We've got two options, we can sink our teeth in or we can look the other way for a little while and keep ourselves busy on the day job. So, all those reasons, it's important and I think nobody's surprised, you know, that, that there's lots of people thinking about it, they won't be surprised if they're listening to this podcast, it's obviously an issue for them, but are farm businesses really different from other family businesses out there than all sectors? Parts of it are different, um, but I think what what makes a family farming business different is the inherent link between the personal life you are living on Mm -hmm. in the business, your family grows up in the business, there is often a massive connection to the business. In a a non-farming business, there is sometimes and not always a distance Mm -hmm. between family and business. You live at home and and mum and dad or, or one or the other go to work each day so there's a, an automatic separation but I would say that um, for a family business where whether it's the way that people approach it or the nature of that business that there is a whole lot more connection through the life and growing up mm-hmm. of the family you would come across exactly the same aspects yeah. and challenges in, in succeeding one of those businesses good one and I think we may draw on some of that as we go through but that's the cold open probably time to say who we are and what we're doing so welcome to the latest seen and heard podcast everybody from beef and lamb New Zealand Um, we're going to do this one a wee bit differently and you've picked that up probably from the start already but we're also going to do this one in several parts because today we're talking about as you've guessed farm business succession and transition which is important to a lot of people and it's a really big subject and it's very personal and individualized I guess is what I've picked up going through the information so sit down have a coffee get comfortable there's a lot we're going to cover but we will split this I think into at least two possibly three podcasts just to make it a bit more bit more palatable so I'm Aaron Meekle product development manager at Leaf and Lamb the the usual host of these I'm joined today by Geordie McCallum so Geordie um, I'll let you introduce yourself this is a big subject a lot of people interested who are you and why are you the right person to come and talk about it Yep, um, so I work for a firm called Wired Up a Property Consultants based out of Masterton. Um, I've been there for near on five years where I do um, a portion, um, probably a third of my work is dealing directly with um, families and their succession plans. Uh, my building to this point um, was 14 years of rural banking in which Um, While there's a a whole lot of numbers and figures going on in banking, 
Uh, there is also the, the big relationship aspect of that role. So through that time, um, I was part of some succession plans, but as a banker in a, in a different capacity, you're not as entrenched, you're, you're part of it at key points, but not necessarily facilitating and driving it. Um, but I picked up the essence um, through it and always being a person that has been interested and focuses on the people and relationships, um, really the, the succession planning process um, aligns closely with my values and uh, in the, the firm that I'm now part of, um, my predecessor who um, is Phil Guscott, mm-hmm. who is um, still within the business and still working strong, um, has also, and through his own experience, having succeeded his family farm, um, and also in the process of the current business and succeeding that on to myself and a couple of others, um, has been working in this space for oh, 15-ish mm. years and has has developed a heck of a lot of experience. So in working in mm-hmm. that space, um, it's been great to, to leverage off his experience and, and really round off and, and try and fully understand this succession process. Mm-hmm. Okay, look, this is a bit unfair, but because we've just said we've got a lot we want to cover, it's going to be multiple issues, it's relate, you know, individual situations are different than all the background you've got, but the elevator pitch. If you've got somebody for three or four minutes, what are the things, or let's give it a wee bit longer, what are the things you would really first tell them, or, or you know, the key things you'd stress? So a succession plan, um, a good family farm business succession and transition plan transfers the management and sometimes the ownership of a business from one generation to the next generation while maintaining those family relationships and enhancing the performance of that business. Mm-hmm. So you're within that you're encapsulating um, the people that you need to deal with, the ones that are coming into the farm and need to build their skills and understanding. You are um, taking care of your own retirement mm-hmm. and your needs beyond farming and you're taking care of um, non-farming members of the family and making sure there's um, something in it for them and in all of that process making sure that everyone understands, um, all three of those parties understand uh, what's happening Mm -hmm. and more importantly understanding why those decisions have been made and why it's happening Mm -hmm. in that way. So I want to pick up on one specific thing in there that I, I think listeners might have picked up on too. We, we Farmers tend to talk about succession or we have succession workshops, etc. But you quite deliberately and repeatedly use two terms, succession and transition. What's the difference there or what, what's the message you're trying to get across with those two terms? So succession, and I've recently just sort of started to think of this um, just in my own head. What is it to succeed something mm-hmm. and if you think of it in terms of royalty when a, a monarch succeeds yep. someone yep. succeeds the other they sit in the thr- they sit in the throne they wear the crown and they take on in that situation all the authority and all of the ownership over that person's mm-hmm. domain so that's the straight act of succession um, which is which is one generation replacing the last and everything that that, that, that encapsulates. Um, but that's a point in time. Mm-hmm. And as we know, monarchs, they rise and they fall based on who might be sitting on that throne at the time. 
and what preparation that person might have had, what values they might have had. So when we when we talk about transition, we're really talking about the process of succession mm-hmm. and starting um, and really when does it start? I mean, our, our, if we're in, on a family farm and we have children and we raise those children and they are part of the business, the process um, subconsciously in a lot of ways really does start very early. Um, so being conscious of the values that we instill in our children from a young age, um, but then most tangibly it, it starts um, when you start engaging in conversations with your children um, and they've got the capacity to understand and you start setting the, the parameters and the mm-hmm. expectations about what this business means to you and to the family, um, what the opportunities are within it. And, and that um, and as if, if you are fortunate enough to have a family member or, or family members that are interested in the business, you start that transition process. So succession being the, the potential end result, transition being the process from start to finish which culminates in succession, change of ownership and um, transfer of that authority and, and everything it contains. Great, because I did a bit of background reading, went through a number of the resources and we'll put the link in the podcast description here to both Beef and Lamb New Zealand and Red Meat Profit Partnerships resources. There's a lot online, it can't substitute, as you'll hear, for sitting down and doing it one-on-one, but there's a lot of background reading that complements what we're going to talk about here in the podcast. And that really stresses the the transition rather than it just being that act of succession, but the, the long-term planning. And I think one of the statements in there is something, it's never necessarily too late to start, but it's also not always, well, very rarely too early to start as well, so yep, taking time. All right, let's get on with the, the, the nuts and bolts, the meat of the podcast, the mixed metaphors, I guess. Um, we're going to work through a few things, see how it goes, probably split into a couple. Um, what do we want to talk about first, Geordie? Well, um, I've got a, a bit of an outline of a, of a process that you would go through in terms of managing a, a succession plan or building a succession plan. So the, the outline of that um, first step is to establish an end game. The second step is um, looking at your business and mm-hmm. what it's going to allow you to do. Um, third step, meet as a family or engage your family in some way and start the process of sharing that plan with the family. Fourth step, consider the options available and the desired options for the family. The fifth step, draft a plan that meets the the needs of the family, both financial, physical and emotional. And the sixth step, to put in place a structure that enables enables that plan to be outworked. Um, so that's the that's the overall, and I thought if we just work through those through those points one by one, and and we can talk through the the aspects that I would do when I'm Perfect. working with with some clients. All right. Okay. Let's start with the first one. Establish the end game. Let's get into the the nuts and bolts of all this. What are you talking about there? You're, you're starting with the uh, the final outcome in mind. Yes, that's right. And and a good question here is. Whose responsibility is it to establish the end game? And where I where I start in this process is with the existing owners and the people that are currently in the position of authority. 
Mm-hmm. Um, whether they have taken on a family farm and have been the caretakers of that to this point, or whether they have built um, built a business themselves and they're looking to succeed it. Um, either way, they are the ones that have the current responsibility, the current legacy sitting on their shoulders. Mm-hmm. And to me, they are the ones that, um, through this process, need to be good leaders. And by starting with their own vision of where they hope mm-hmm. um, they can get to, um, that gives that then gives the framework and um, what the opportunity mm-hmm. is for the, the balance of the family. And is that something that you find you know, a lot of farmers probably haven't given much thought to? They love what they're doing, they're farming day to day, but they're not necessarily always wondered about where it's all going to end up? I would say that most give it thought, mm-hmm. um, and how conscious that thought is, I don't know, but I think everyone has mm-hmm. um, an underlying essence of what they're doing it for. It's, mm-hmm. it's what gets us up out of bed in the morning, and, and when I show up around this kitchen table with a, a, a couple or a business that's starting this process, and I ask them what they're doing it for mm-hmm. and what the vision is, um, it is uh, time and time again the hope of the mm-hmm. um, family farm or the business remaining within the family. Okay. Um, so I think it would be unfair to say that, that people haven't got mm-hmm. a, a subconscious or a conscious vision. It's about is that vision um, easy for them to articulate mm-hmm. and has it been communicated or how are we then going to communicate yeah so it hasn't necessarily been um, explicitly stated or defined and or explained to yep. other generations other parties and in yep. some in some cases there's some good reason for that also mm-hmm. I mean a, another point that that frequently comes out is people don't want there to be an obligation on the Mm -hmm. next generation. For some people there was an obligation. Mm -hmm. For some people um, they might not Mm. have been passionate or through and through farmers, but through obligation and opportunity they have ended up and and potentially still been very successful. But a number of people are saying it's not a necessity Mm -hmm. that we would love and that would be Mm -hmm. our first priority but we don't want to saddle any of the next generation with it because of obligation. So them not not communicating, it is not a flaw. Mm -hmm. Um, It's possibly a a reasonably, again, well thought out plan that they they want their their children to live their lives to Mm -hmm. a point, be who they are, and then at the right time, if there's interest, that's when they Mm -hmm. can start to share. So that's effectively... I mean, still staying with the end game in mind, but having a reasonably flexible plan is that it could achieve a number of different outcomes. Yeah, because the process, when you start with, when you establish the end game, you're doing it from your personal perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you know about your kids. You you know them, so you've got some assumptions. But as you go through the process, your end game um, will be will be either outworked exactly or there'll be in most cases compromise negotiation and and moving things around so uh, but it is important to to have your end game not based on what you think people want to hear mm-hmm. but based on this is our vision and this is what we want to achieve subject to understanding yep. all of the people that it involves and then finding something that works for everyone yeah so we're going to talk about finding something that works, but you came in there understanding the other parties involved. So you start with the 
you know, the, the owners, the managers, which are you know, traditionally the parents, um, and then talking. When do you start bringing in the end game for the other parties, family? Yeah. Uh, Not parties. quite yet. Okay. So first step is establish the end game. Yep. Second step is what will your business allow you to do? So okay. those people who are sitting in the driver's seat, mm-hmm. they build their vision, and then they need to take um, take a stock take on their business mm-hmm. and understand where is this business, and in its current form, does it have the capacity to outwork wow. that vision? Okay, so that's part two we're gonna to come to shortly. So just clarifying, you're saying here, ultimately it's um, a third, uh, the, the owners, and do you, encourage them or do you think it's almost a necessity that they work with a third party I can, we're not promoting your services necessarily but that's what you do as a role that yep. I mean is it would you genuinely encourage that that they go through start right at the start with a third party facilitator assistance type person uh, from an from a very early stage yes yep. um, we'll, we'll as you said provide some links in here mm-hmm. to some of the work done by RMPP um, on Beef and Lamb's Knowledge Hub and there are some really good um, bits of information to help get started on, on your own bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, the value, as we said at the start, it's complex. Mm-hmm. It's not all about dollars and figures. Um, the value of an independent person facilitating mm-hmm. is um, is absolute. Mm-hmm. And I, if, if I was going through this process myself, knowing how I work with my family, because it's not just yep. the skills and expertise. Here I can do something mm-hmm. for other people. If I was going through this myself and managing my own family's expectations, I would be getting an independent person mm-hmm. because I know how my family view me and how we relate together um, means mm-hmm. that I'm not the best person to to facilitate yep. that necessarily. So yes, I, I think in 98% of cases you mm-hmm. want a facilitator, but it's ultimately everyone's own choice and I do know um, I do know businesses that have successfully mm-hmm. gone through a process. Yeah. No silver bullets is something we repeat a lot on these podcasts, not just this one, but anything we're talking about with farming. Every farm's different, every farm is different, every family's different. But if you look through the materials, bit of a plug again for them again on Beef and Lamb New Zealand's Knowledge Hub and on the RMPP website, one consistent thread is the value for most businesses, nearly all farm businesses, in fact, of a, of a third-party facilitator, an independent person, if you like. So let's dig into that one. How do you go about, if they're so important for many families and can offer specific technical advice as well and have skills, how do you go about finding one and how do you go about finding a good one? Mm, yep. So um, one good option, I mean, the word trusted advisor mm-hmm. comes in. now. Most people will have a trusted advisor within their business, um, and that trusted advisor, I'm not necessarily saying that person would be the right person to facilitate, because facilitation mm-hmm. is a specific skill, um, facilitating a succession process. Um, so your trusted advisor might or might not um, be capable in this area, <coughs> but they may have, if they're a, they're a professional, they may have been part of other Mm-hmm. successful processes so they your accountant your lawyer your farm consultant if they are your trusted advisor then they may be able to recommend someone that they've seen a successful process um, that's one method farmer to farmer mm-hmm. so if you know someone that has gone through the process then getting a referral um, from them of 
of who might have supported them and, and confirmed that they were good. Um, also, don't be quick necessarily to lock in the first person that's recommended or the first person you meet with. Like anything, you are you should be empowered and you should interview mm -hmm. however that looks to you, whether interview is a cup of coffee. Um, there are no obligations. When I, when I meet with people for the first time, there are no obligations. Um, we spend an hour, an hour and a half to do the, the very first stage um, and I know at the end of that that if I'm not the right fit mm -hmm. for them, um, you know, communicate yep. back to me and that's absolutely no problem yep. because you've got to find someone that understands you, your business and you think is going to relate to the, the family yeah. and be able to communicate these messages. Yeah, I think it, it sounds very much like, you know, with farm consultants or all these things, when there's the, the personal and family aspects in businesses, it ultimately is not just technical skills, it's that, as you say, the how people fit together and work together. Yeah, and that facilitator doesn't need to have all of the technical mm -hmm. skills. So the, the facilitator role really is about managing the planning and the relationships and the people. And if there is a requirement for technical skills within that, then those can be employed along the way. So if you have a look, keep plugging it, there's a, there's a module to work through on the Beaconland New Zealand Knowledge Hub that RMPP worked with um, numerous people to develop. And that has a section on finding a facilitator, um, some of the things Geordie's just talked about, questions to ask, referees and those sorts of things. Um, you talked about you know, establishing the end game. Are there specific analyses or processes to go through at that point? Um, needs analysis plans, business risk plans type thing? Is that people doing it there or formal ways they should do that end game establishment? Um, or is it more you know, subjective, just what do people feel, what do they want? Yeah, so to, to me when you're establishing the end game, I, the, I like to engage the dream and vision part. Mm -hmm. So if you've got 10 years to work through this process, and that, that might seem a long time, but um, from, from the, the first conversation until the day that, that you have left the building so mm -hmm. to speak and, and you're no longer required within that business. Um, ten years is is I think quite a good quite a good time frame. So I like I like people to just visualise if everything went to plan, mm -hmm. what's the picture of where they would be in ten years. So it's not a it's not a hard and fast realistic um, what does it look like now? It's it's sort of disengaging from what it looks like now and describing that perfect picture. Yep. So it's not yeah, it's definitely yep. not a technical one. It's about capturing what you ultimately want to achieve. And I say that um, reality will come soon enough. So mm -hmm. dare yeah, to dream a little bit, yep. and then we start to bring it back to say, well, okay, if you if you're going to achieve that vision, that end game in ten years, let's take a look yep. at your business today and this is what it looks like today, what are you going to need to spend your time, money and effort on over the next yep. one, two and three years in order to start your boat mm -hmm. sailing in that direction? And that's when the reality comes. So yeah, that's a good saying, that reality will come soon enough, I guess. So, and Which is actually, I guess, what we're moving on to part two, what will your business allow you to do? So is there anything else we need to cover in the part one, establish your end game? Um, yeah, so I suppose in that... In that space um, and dealing with the retiring generation, I just want to say that um, we shouldn't underestimate 
um, and while it might be early in the process, it still might not have hit home, but we don't want to underestimate um, the magnitude and the emotional impact of all for all of mm-hmm. us as we face retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, and in farming, often, as we said before, it's not just a business, it's a home, it's a way of life, um, it's a, a lifestyle. So farmers tend to have a lot of identity wrapped up in their business, in their farm, um, and the day that they're not Joe Bloggs from such and such station, mm-hmm. and known as that, and the the letter that comes in the mail um, is addressed to um, uh, an address in town yep. or, or close to town, it's a big emotional mm-hmm. shift. Um, and the responsibility, everything you carry, so in building this vision, yeah, it's, it's fun to build that vision. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in there, as, as it starts to become real, there is a really big challenge mm-hmm. that we've all got to face that is one day I'm not going to be calling the yeah. shots here. Um, I want to be confident that whoever is um, is capable. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we how do we deal with that? Uh, we need to make sure that we have got an identity and a passion that is outside of that farm business, mm-hmm. because that gives us something to go to, which makes it a whole lot easier to gradually let go of the thing that that has been part of us for so long. Mm. Yeah, that, that was something I picked up. You know, you, you you talk at the start when I was going through material beforehand. What you were talking about, how this process is not just about uh, moving from A to B, but it actually can make people's lives and financial situation and so on better if they do it do it well. well. Obviously, it can have the opposite effect. But if you do it well, it's actually an opportunity for the business and yep. individuals to come out better off than they were beforehand. Definitely. And as we get into point two, we'll cover that off. Um, cover that off a little bit as well so we're not you're not just talking about cutting a pie up into smaller pieces but it, the, there's, it, it may seem counterintuitive but the opportunity is here to actually the old hoary old metaphor to grow the pie a wee bit at the same time yep definitely yeah. and and jumping straight into point two yep. what will your business allow you to do and to me it is a real opportunity when we the first step is take a snapshot of that business mm-hmm. now some people might be doing that regularly and, and have a an excellent grasp of where their business is at from a balance sheet perspective from a budget and viability perspective from a processes um, and, and management decisions mm-hmm. um, perspective others might not have thought about it for a while they might even they could be running mm-hmm. very successful businesses but um, might have been Sort of for the for the last little while, running a very consistent, mm-hmm. well-performing business that they they do by mm-hmm. second nature. So mm-hmm. not a lot of conscious thought in it. Um, I always say when you take the snapshot, don't think that there is such a thing as bad news. Mm-hmm. If if you go through this process um, and it says that your business is not performing overly well, then I say, well, that's a massive opportunity. Mm-hmm. The, the one that I struggle to help people with is when they're in the, the 99th percentile of performance, mm-hmm. um, but that business isn't doing well enough to, to make the whole thing tick for whatever reason, yep. be, it, be it debt levels or be it um, other interests or whatever's consuming that money. Um, those are the challenging ones because there's no low-hanging fruit to work on. Um, so when I'm talking about taking a stock take on your business, um, 
what is the position of your balance, balance mm-hmm. sheet, how much equity do you have in there, and do you have enough equity um, for that business to to buffer the ups and downs, mm-hmm. the normal ups and downs of um, a farming business with respect to climate, markets, um, temporary depression and, and values of livestock yep. and land. Do you have a solid base mm-hmm. in which to leverage on? Um, then how is the business performing? And that really is a, um, well, two, it's benchmarking. Mm-hmm. It's benchmarking against yourself. And is your business got an EFS, an economic farm surplus, that is sufficient to meet your needs? So if you, if you push your business forward for 10 years, by the performance you're doing, are mm-hmm. you going to have enough capital to retire, to take an income out of the farm, and for the next generation mm-hmm. to come in and have, have a viable business? Yep. If the answer to that is no, and don't get me wrong, um, make up a stat on the spot, 80, 80% of businesses, the answer um, would be no, mm-hmm. which okay. just means that you can focus for the next 10 years mm-hmm. to position yourself and, and make it succession ready. So that's benchmarking against yourself and your own goals and aspirations, and then there's benchmarking against other farmers, mm-hmm. which you can do um, again through beef and lamb and its its benchmarking mm-hmm. data, and the value in that is saying, um, what's the opportunity within my business? Am I in the top twenty percent? In which case, it might be a small fine tuning opportunity, mm-hmm. um, or am I am I at average level, am I average or below? And if the business is performing um, at average level, the good news there is, and, and if you look at the beef and lamb analysis online, the extra amount of net income or EFS that you can generate from your business if you're currently mm-hmm. at average by lifting yourself to the top 20% is significant. It's in the order of a hundred plus thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not throw away that catchphrase that I hate there's no silver bullets because I think there's a lot of silver bullets they're just not as hard as people think Um, it is very realistic to think that a business can employ um, simple changes and best practice that that is getting done Mm -hmm. and take themselves um, from average to high performing um, over a period of time whether that's two years, three years, five years um, it depends how much mm-hmm. um, investment might be required in, in some of the resources, but it's very realistic, and I've seen it seen it happen. Well, okay, let's talk about you know, this is what the field you work. You mentioned there, um, and I know I'm not going to hold you to it, but 80 percent or a significant majority of businesses, when you first look at them, are not mm-hmm. where they need to be to make to achieve yep. their their goals. So reality comes crashing in. When you go through the process, again, so we, this isn't a plug for you necessarily, but talking about the process you go through them, I'm going to assume not everybody actually gets to the point where they can achieve all their dreams in reality, but most have the opportunity of saying to make things better. They're not, at the start, they're not there. Yeah, Working through a good process, a good number of them will get to that point. Um, or do you have to make your dreams and vision more realistic? Well, let's say the answer is yes, yep. and it's about it's about that compromise. Yeah, it's about what are the priorities, and um, it it means it could mean, um, and what are the things that you can you can negotiate and trade on. Um, the more the better position your business is, the more options you have. Mm-hmm. The more yep. that there is, and a, and a fundamental question that needs to be um, 
answered early. One priority is, is it most important that the farm stays within the family, mm -hmm. or is it most important that all members of the family um, are treated equally? Mm -hmm. Now, now using yep. the word equally versus fair, mm. and again a catchphrase that we use plenty, but um, fair is not always equal, mm -hmm. equal is not always fair. Yep. So if one of the, the foundations that you put down is that we want the farm business to stay within the family, then the strength of that business today mm. compared to 10 years time, so let's just give an example that um, when mum and dad leave the farm, they would like to um, like to see an allocation of capital to the non-farming members of the family, not a, a big one necessarily, mm -hmm. but something meaningful that allows um, those other members to um, buy a house, um, deposit on a house, or something that gets um, a ch uh, meets their needs in their stage of life. Mm -hmm. um, we then look at the business and say, well, looking at the business today, that would not be possible. Because when you go through succession, um, what happens is, is at some point in time, there will mm -hmm. be a need for a property, a house off the farm, mm -hmm. so a, a chunk of capital required for that. Mum and dad need to set their ongoing income requirements. Mm -hmm. um, as the next generation then comes in and starts to draw a wage or otherwise, mm -hmm. um, lots of different ways that, that sort of works in, but, but in essence there is normally a requirement mm -hmm. for extra extra drawing to come out of the business mm -hmm. um, and the retiring generation also needs access to some form of capital or nest egg because mm -hmm. once they've left the farming business they no longer have the ability to just draw off the farming yep. business they need if something significant comes up or if they want to go and do that holiday they had planned on doing they don't want to be or should they be having to ask the next mm -hmm. generation um, nor should the next generation um, when they're trying to run a, a difficult business and face all the challenges of farming, have to suddenly come up with um, 100 grand to, yep. to sort out mum and dad. So you really want that stuff clear. And that's why when we say success, succession ready, there's a big step, um, mm -hmm. a big step and a big, an increase in pressure on the business to make it happen. And any capital that you then want to provide to non-farming members of the family adds that adds more pressure onto yep. it. So if that's your goal and your vision, then you might be you might be um, setting higher expectations mm -hmm. of what you do in the next 10 years in order to achieve that. Mm -hmm. And when you get closer to that time, you just have to you just have to weigh those mm -hmm. up and work out what is achievable. Are you going to be able to give um, capital to the others at the time you hoped? Will it take a bit mm -hmm. longer? Will it be a bit less? What we, um, what we can't compromise on is that um, mum and dad, the retiring generation, mm -hmm. have got to be financially um, secure yep. because a succession plan that does not make mum and dad financially secure is not a succession plan, yeah. <laughs> first, first and foremost. Good. No, it's a good principle. And, and you know, a couple of key words in there, you, you talked about achievable and compromise, and I think that's the thing is, yeah, there's... there's can't always do everything you necessarily want, but just circling back to what my point was there, going through this process, getting started, will achieve more and require less compromise than suddenly waking up and going, leaving it too late or leaving it later. And for me, while we talk about a succession plan, a succession plan is nothing more than a 
strategic plan or a business plan. The reason that it's a buzzword now is because we're maybe we're getting all a bit more formal and, mm. and throwing mm-hmm. these labels on things, um, but also maybe there wasn't the need or there was a lack of um, of specific plans in this space mm. thirty years ago. Yeah. And what's required and what's required to run a successful business today is different mm-hmm. than what it was 30, 40 years ago. So what has changed? I mean, is it, is it just uh, you know, pressure on margins, larger scale businesses, or are there some regulatory requirements or, or, or tightened things there from government regulations? Yeah. Why is it yep. harder now? Or why are we more pressure on doing it formally like this than maybe we did? All of the years? above. Yep. Like if, if you look at the farming landscape 40 years ago, mm-hmm. and I'm 40 years old, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm talking from looking looking back and, and reading into and, mm-hmm. and talking with people, including my parents, as opposed to being there. Mm-hmm. But to take a business, a farming business, um, in the 1980s and before, um, to be successful, farms were less developed. Mm-hmm. There was a whole lot of it was around work ethic, development, Mm. Um, doing the do really well and if you were a good farmer you were by and large going to be successful Mm. well here today if you are a good farmer you um, you may be successful as a good farmer in a management capacity but you may not be successful in your farming career around growing your balance sheet um, staying out of trouble from all Mm -hmm. the regulation regulatory side of things and all, all that aspect of it. Um, the benefit for you today is you are taking on often businesses that are higher developed. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the previous yep. generation has have taken farms from what they were, um, from scrub, mm-hmm. from um, native grasses, from no drainage, from all these different things to, in many cases, farms that are... Um, pastures perfect, well fenced, mm. well watered, um, things where you're at the 80-20, i.e. you don't, you're not going to make yep. your name on that farming business in the next 30 years by developing it because the job's 80% mm. done and anything you're doing from here on in is window dressing. Yep. What you need to do is take a, a um, developed business and fine tune it, mm. um, go to the, the value added yep. part of it, find a way to get more out of the product that you're producing. Um, keep up with your health and safeties, your human resources, your minimum mm. wages, your your all these different things. And so it is um, it is a more um, mm. and, and you hear it in the All Blacks conversations, micro skill mindset. Mm-hmm. You need to do the little things much, much better yep. in order to be no. successful and take it forward. That's an interesting point. And I think it's a good one. You know, I it, I just generally in beef and lamb in New Zealand we see that we, we because change happens incrementally and slowly as an industry you know lambing percentage ticks up but it, people don't see it year to year but look back 20 years and we've come a huge long way we are on that part of the diminishing response curve here the, the, the easy gains and now it's down to, to making the little things um, what else on what do we want to cover on what will your business allow you to do Geordie we um, at and yeah, so we got onto that saying that a succession plan really is a, a substitute for a, another. It's a it's a um, strategic plan, yep. but with a, a certain bent on it. 
what I'm seeing at the end of these processes is the, the next generation coming in and farming members and non-farming mm-hmm. members, by and large they finish this process, which is a, a, a planning, a communicating process, and they start their process straight away. Mm-hmm. So, well, straight away all they've done it yep. through because we're asking them to give us their expectations, their vision, their future. Um, and in a lot of cases, from the ones that are coming in and going farming, they are articulating that vision that they mm-hmm. hope one day to provide the opportunity yep. for their next generation without detail of what that looks like. But they're starting with that in mind. Mm. And just like the 10-year what do we need to do today to achieve an analogy? There's a 30-year vision, mm-hmm. and you bring it all the way back. Well, yep. what do we need to do today to, to, to start that process? So I hope to do myself out of the succession planning job. Yep. Um, I'll still be have a job, hopefully, in, in strategic planning and, and governance and, and supporting yep. that process. But next next time around, um, I think things will be a lot yeah. more a lot more planned out and, and thought through in advance. So in essence, the sooner you start, the better. Mm. Cool. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's we yeah. cover those two. Cool. All right. Look, um, that's only two parts of what we want to cover. Hence, why we're splitting this one up to three parts. So we're going to wrap up part one there, where we've talked about establishing the end game and what will your business allow you to do in farm transition and succession planning. So um, if you found that enjoyable, and I bet you have, then please, um, there'll be two other parts on here, and we're going to talk in part two about um, meeting as a family, talking about the others outside, um, you know, the, the traditional mum and dad who are running the place, and considering other options.